0: Otherwise, on SAFM. Okay, I just told you that Zama Pagati would talk to us. She's the curator of an exhibition, but she's not available. And I'm happy now to welcome Tulani Machero, who is with HIV South African Mobile Health Project. Hello, Tulani.
1: Hello, Shara. How
0: are you? I'm good to at least talk to somebody from HIV SA. <laughs> about the confusion Sarah. no problem at all and i mm. i'm excited about the next hiv free generation and how do you think this exhibition uh, curated by zama is going to communicate that
1: okay i think what what Zama's initial thing was to do was to try to create an interactive mobile platform for young girls between the ages of 15 to 25. So they will be able to engage in a platform that is something that they can relate to. For some of the people that might have heard about the magazine, it's got your entertainment, fashion, beauty, and those other aspects that a girl child usually likes. But this is where we get to bring in the health aspect. And this is how we're linking in with health information for young girls and women. But unlike any other platform, where usually we are doing push messaging to the girls, we are letting them interact and engage with us on this mobile magazine. So in terms of this art exhibition, what we're trying to do is so keep the magic words, interactive and engaged. So what we've done in the past, we've realized, you know, shared a previous world these days, it's speeches, it's speeches, and after speeches you bring out somebody that might come and talk about their status, but we feel that most of the time for the crowd, the 15 to 25 year old young people that are listening, they don't always get to take the message back home, they don't always get to, you know, be encouraged enough to go and say, you know what, I'm going to change my behavior today. So we've learned over the years that in terms of any kind of messaging that you want to do with young people, the best way to do it is engage them in the initial process. So in doing up the store, this pop-up store, what we initially thought of is to have these stats and these alarming figures of people that are becoming infected, these alarming figures of people that are not using condoms, the alarming figures of people that just do not think they're at risk. And how can we then take those messages and take them through to the general public, especially our girls and young women and other young people. So in terms of the store, what we then do, we had different stats that we're dealing with. We've got three main ones, which one was that I think if people have read the HRC study, they would know that 79% of people between the ages of 15 to 49 do not think that they are at risk of getting infected with HIV. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you can imagine, Shada, that's Mm -hmm. just alarming. Mm -hmm. That you know, as we said, in 100%, 79 think that they're not at risk at all. You know, whether sexually active or not. And then there's another one which says 36% of people that are having sex are not using a condom. And then the other alarming one for us was that 30% of people do not know basic HIV and AIDS information. Mm. So how we incorporated that in terms of the store, we made different rules. We've got one wall that is full of condoms where you are able to go take a condom. And when you take a condom, it means that you are increasing you know, the number of people that will be using condoms when they're sexually active. So we're actively making them interact with, with different walls in the store so as to be an interactive, you know, to do something interactive that says, Wow, I've taken a condom and that means that I'm going to use this and means I will up that 36% of people that were not using it and take it to 37 or whatever the case is.
0: Tulani 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 Tulani. Hello, hello. Slow down, darling. When, what, why do you think when they, when they take a condom they're going to
1: use it? Of course, of course, there's no guarantee. Mm. That's not a guarantee. Mm. What we're basically trying to do, Shadow, is make them visualize and actively do okay. something about it. Okay. What they do ultimately, I think, has always been the question. I think with the store, the taking of the condom, they're saying, I'm increasing the number, the writing on our black chalkboard saying, you know, this is how I'm going to reduce my risk. They're taking of the ribbon and pledging with the ribbon, you know, I will pledge that I will reduce risk in my life by doing A, B, and C. Although we will not know the, ex- the final, you know, uh, execution, I think this is the challenge you're just facing universally, mm-hmm. is that you involve somebody in something to a level where they get to, you know, uh, digest what you're talking about, what they have done. And go back home and remember what they did, and in actively doing so, you hope when the actual time comes when they're either having sex that they will actually use the condom. But I think in everything else that we have tried way, it was also just messaging way. Shadow, they were not interacting with anything. It was also still a question of, okay, so we've told them this today. We've taught them this today. Mm. But will they go home and start using a condom? Mm. Will they go home and start negotiating for better condom use or even better uh, negotiation or better treatment in relationship? I think that's the challenge. But what we're saying is that the story is not going to change the world mm. overnight. It's the, one of the very few steps or initiatives that are trying to say, can we involve these young people that we are constantly speaking at? We don't want to just speak down to them anymore. Mm -hmm. We want to involve them in processes. So if you want to teach them something, involve them in some activity that they find fun, that they find lovely. I mean, people that have been to Southgate will tell you how every second person passes and goes, what is that? It looks amazing. It doesn't look like a normal textbook set. It doesn't look like a study or research document mm. and we're trying to create a different environment for young people where they can interact with something while learning this information without looking like somebody saying, you're going to die or somebody saying, mm. you know, um, these are the, preco- uh, 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 the, the the consequences of your bad behavior, but saying, how do we teach them this information in the way that's most active, that makes them go home and think about what they've done? Because if you think about it, shadow, this is how they would have spent their day inside the store doing these things taking condoms writing down how they're going to reduce risk it's almost like something that you're planting in somebody's memory Mm, so you're mm. not just talking to them you are making them a creative process you're including them in the creative process
0: now please tell me and i'm still sitting at the 79 percent that think that are between the ages 15 and 49 that think they're not at risk oh and what what is happening there is it's What's the sort of conversation? Where do you think they got the information that they are safe? And yeah. is it because we were not giving enough information? Or is it just too much uh, information that they, they think it's not their problem? They're too young to have it.
1: You know what I think? I think um, it got into a point where uh, we are trying to, and by saying we, I mean media, I mean NGOs, Mm, I mean mm. the Department of Health. I think we're getting to a point where we have given out so much information. It might not always have been in the best way possible. You know, might not be teaching life orientation in the best way possible. But I I really doubt that it's about them not having the information. Mm. It won't happen to me. That's point number one it won't happen to me because I love him and I trust him because yes. every second person in the counseling room when you say to them why you're not using a condom I love him or I love her or I trust her or I trust him mm. so people think that trust by itself almost means you to not having the virus That means if I'm having one partner and he loves me and it he looks healthy he must be okay and I mean that's scary thinking that it's 2014 and we used to think the same in 1994 mm. and then the second thing as well is is that with our girls, particularly our girls 15 to 25, they are so disempowered. I mean, it's amazing when you listen to motivational speaking, you know, from young girls and women. But the implementation, Shadow, is they cannot, you know, uh, practice what they preach. So it's easier for them to understand that they need to use condoms. But once they, for example, with their boyfriend, we get queries like, you know, um. You know, he gets angry when I mention a, a condom mm-hmm. or he doesn't like me using a condom because then he says it means I'm having an affair. And I think, I mean, you'd even know even at, I mean, I'm not your age, I'm thinking, I am think I'm much younger. Yeah. Know, you are. <laughs> at your age, that the woman that would come and say, oh my God, you know, I'm dating a guy, but what is he going to think? Why would I want a condom now? Mm-hmm. Issues like that, that even our young girls are facing and they're completely disempowered in making proper decisions in the relationship. So in terms of the reason why they don't think they're at risk is because a guy says, do I look ill? I mean, why would you think that I'm HIV, HIV me? So people are using this, also our partners mainly being guys, not all of them, but mainly being guys that are using it almost as a, why would you think I'm HIV positive? If we trust and love each other in a relationship, then why should we using a condom? So one is the disempowerment of girls. Two is the it won't happen to me syndrome. That's what I call it. You know, because I'm either in a relationship or my boyfriend looks healthy. Or even simple reasons. We find out from a very famous university that, you know, we also found out that people that were, you know, we call them vanilla skin, we call them brown skins, we, we call them very pretty names here by trauma, where they said, you know, no, that's for that's for, that's for for brown skins. And then they went to the brown skins and said, no, that's for the poorer brown skins. So besides the fact that it's a male-female thing, a cultural thing, it's also people still thinking, it's not supposed to be happening to me. It is something that happens to others, either less privileged, either less, you know, less fortunate. And what we're finding with that is that, yes, most of the studies do implicate that stuff like, factors like poverty, factors like you know looking for a sugar daddy because you can't provide for your mm. home. But we've also seen that even in universities, you find that the, the behavior is com- completely promiscuous. The girl community is completely promiscuous. And obviously then this would start including issues of alcohol and drug abuse and so on. But when people are sober and are okay in their statements, they think we know so much that there's no way that we can still get infected. And unfortunately, just knowing the information is not enough, you need to be able to use it on yourself and understand that this
0: information directly affects you. Tulane, I'm shocked. I'm gobsmacked. I mean, you're painting yeah. such a dire picture right now. Yeah. You know, you, and, and I think that we're we sitting on a time bomb. Yeah. What is it that we do? How do we bridge that gap? How do Because we, we've communicated, we've put condoms out there, we've, we've done all we can. But th- there's this very strong sense of um, needing to have that relationship and I'll do anything and even risk my life. Uh, mm. to, to To keep that relationship yes of course. And, and you 've had the exposure of universities and, and organizations and you work for HIVSA what do we do are there, are there, are there programs in, in place that will are trying to solve this problem because it 's yes. huge yeah
1: it 's a huge problem, and I think the first point of departure shadow is you know we need to stop stop working in in solos. Because the other problem that has happened in the past is you find this NGO, that NGO, we're all doing the same work, but we're speaking completely different messages. Mm-hmm. I think the first point of departure is to say, if the organizations that are working with, you know, for example, girls between 15 and 25, we should be able to say, okay, what are you doing? We're on the ground. What are you doing? We're online. How do we take these messages and put them together and how do we include the youth in kind of? Dressing out these messages and acting them out and using the same youth to be like ambassadors or to be like uh, uh, champions of this messaging. I because think they must create... that Everybody seems to be working in solo and this is why we're not getting a, new, a, a united type of front. I think and they the must create... As well is the fact that, you know, um, in the past, like I said, we had done so much, but it was push messaging. So it was us telling the people that are doing wrong, you are doing wrong. You are gonna die, and I'm 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 saying this example. I mean, with utmost empathy, but we also need to realize that also the same articles that we put in print media that was scaring people off. Some people don't actually read. You'd find it your older demographic that reads it. That's trying to tell somebody else you might get here. So what I'm saying is that yes, the scare tactics work to a certain degree, but we need to start having actual conversations with people about their love and relationships. What we learned, hard, hard, hard learnings in trauma, is that we were busy talking about condoms and what, and we found out just last month that 53% of our users were not even sexually active yet. So every time there is something sexually active, they kind of just oh I'm not there yet, you know. So we needed to look at the whole market and say, okay, we've got 53% of people who are saying they're not sexually active. We've got a percentage of people that are sexually active, but are very disempowered in terms of making decisions. So how do we do this? We need to engage them in a conversation. We need to find out what's going wrong. Mm-hmm. We did focus groups. We did a couple of online polls. And what we are telling us is, that, you know, you become a teenager for the first time. You don't really know about, a lot about your physical, emotional, and mental development. And then on top of that, you start having sexual feelings. And now there's HIV and AIDS and getting those things. is easy for somebody to say, you know, don't do this, use a condom, but they did not know the how. And Mm. what they were saying to us, which was one of the major issues was I can't even negotiate for better treatment in my relationship. How do I then start negotiating for condom use? So I think the crux of the matter is that you start talking about personal relationships that people have. Can you empower somebody in their relationship to make decisions? and that, as then of course that would go back to can i empower the individual mm. to be empowered enough to love themselves enough to understand what they're worth enough that by the time they were somebody else they're able to make those decisions because if they can make it shadow between you know especially for women sex is love most of the time especially our young girls so if we had to teach them so much self-love before that have these conversations with them about how to do it because something else I to say, love yourself. We've been hearing this since grade three. I've been hearing since grade three. <laughs> but until somebody said loving yourself includes doing the stuff you like, includes understanding what your strengths are, includes this and this. And this is who you are. This is how special you are. Then I could go back to relationships and make better decisions in my relations because now I understand what I'm worth. And from there, I can start speaking sexual messages with that person because they understand themselves enough to understand the relationship. And then they can make decisions that are on the surface. It's so a- what I'm basically saying is that we've been talking messages they have not all failed, but to a certain level, that prevention has. Because we've been talking about everything on the surface. It's condom uses and everything. Where do the relationship falls in?
0: Maybe HIVSA should, should ask the children or those teenagers that you're dealing with to come up with a... Uh their own messaging and and having their own conversations, and i'm not too sure how you're going to do that and i think we need to start earlier as parents of course on sexual sexual education uh before because children as young as 12 years are having sex whether we like it or not so we need to start deal to deal with that at at that very early age um i'm I'm, I'm so glad that we've had this conversation now where the 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 pop-up starts
1: today Yes, it starts today, so it will be on every day, including the Saturday and the Sunday. So it's open, the store is open at 9, every day and close at 6, and we'll be going on until the 1st of December, which is next week, Monday.
0: Which is really a, a HIV AIDS Day, right?
1: Yeah, the World AIDS Day, World AIDS day. Um, and then I think if people are familiar with Southgate Mall in the South, it is between your Jet Store and your Smoochie, which is that yogurt place. Uh, you'll see the pop-up store, it's written, inspiring positive change. And that's uh, what the whole theme is about for this World AIDS Day.
0: And, and, and Talane, if, if anyone wants to get hold of you and, and HIVSA, do we have contacts?
1: Yes, we do have contacts. Um, if they just want to check out the Choma magazine, they can go to choma.co.za or choma.mobi. Uh, for the ones on Mixit, they can find uh, my Choma on Mixit. For people that are using Facebook, they can access Choma magazine. Just search for uh, Choma magazine and for the ones that are on Twitter, it's still Choma magazine. And then in terms of HIVSA, our number is 011494-1900. And this would be obviously for people that would need to get some kind of points on our World AIDS activities and so on.
0: Okay. And you've got a website.
1: And we've got a website. Also, HIVSA has got a website, hivsa.com, uh, www.hivsa.com. Um, and this is where you can reach us at any point. And it's also very interactive. So you are able to communicate, us, communicate to HIV staff through that.
0: I'm so happy we had time to talk to you and I'm sure we'll continue having these conversations way after uh, World AIDS Day. And, of course. And, and, it would and, be our pleasure, Shadow. Enduring. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Shadow. You take
0: care now. Thanks you, too. Bye-bye. Bye. Whew, that left me hot and bothered. Um, we we have a problem. We have a problem with Kids are not using condoms and ugh, 15 to 49. That is a chunk of a population um, that will... Okay, we'll have that conversation another time. Dr. Cindy siwe Zale is a quali- qualified at the University of Pretoria before working for an HIV AIDS NPO in Soweto for many years. She was named one of the Mail and Guardian's top 200 young South Africans in 2012. She joins me now, and I've invited Dr. Cindy siwe to talk to us about um feminine hygiene or, or intimate hygiene and i'll tell you why because really advertising is notorious for telling women that their bodies are unclean and they benefit from a myriad of personal and feminine products out there uh cindy hello uh, well, hello Sado, and thank you so
2: much for having me on the show. Well, I've been listening to Tulani. I used to work with her. I was very closely with her. And I tell you, everything that she has said is spot on. I mean, I can hear that you're shocked. But you know, for some of us who've been working in the industry for so many years, this is our daily bread. This is what you see fourteen year olds were pregnant HIV infected, so there 's still so much to talk about. But Thank you so much for having me on your show
0: and what <laughs> I love this and one <laughs> one, one, of, one of the and, and somebody was asking me so what 's that got to do with sixteen days of activism and I say everything because the girl 's self esteem at first is is when you 're a little girl. You, you you've you you do not know how to clean yourself up or exactly. or deal with, with your intimate parts of your body because you're not supposed to know they're there firstly. Exactly. And I and I think, you know,
2: I mean speaking about intimate care and feminine hygiene and I'll and I'll put those both in, in better commas. Another pressure that we have as, as 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 women, as young women, first of all, I and mean, then obviously adult adult women, is to keep it clean and smelling fresh down there. And I'm telling you, unless you're a mental doctor or a, or, a, or a health worker, you will not understand that a, a vagina that does not have some sort of a smell is a worrisome thing. And I try to teach about this, and obviously, you know, I find myself in a bit of a situation because people don't believe me when I say that. As a medical doctor, if you come to me and you tell me that you have a problem down there, the first thing I need to do is a certain, what is the odor that's coming from your vagina? If it smells like tinned fish, then I know that, okay, you most likely have bacterial vaginosis. If it smells like this, it must be this. If it smells in a certain way, which we've come to recognize as the normal smell, then I know that everything is fine. But we are so um, obsessed with trying to ensure that there's no smell down there, that it smells like peaches, whatever else that people are wanting to smell like. And <laughs> that pressure, I, I, I still need to understand that where does that pressure come from? Who are we trying to keep things smelling like peaches for? That's a question I, I have on my mind all the time who
3: must
0: smell vaginas that smell like peaches well i want to know why peaches because i saw that uh the, I, I there's a shocked. there's a university in, in california a company actually yeah a in, company a company that's that's producing something that will make uh, vaginas smell like peaches and they're
2: very proud of this innovation i
0: yeah, Why says,
2: I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that particular <laughs> thing. But, but again, it feeds into the thing that vaginas must not smell. They must smell sweet and rosy. And you know what worries me the most is that you find women having to find women buying these products that are not good for them. I mean, more often than not, you end up with vaginal thrush. So every single month, you 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 know, you a vaginal thrush. You go to the GP, you're given um you know a, a, a fungicide. You go back home, you're using those bubble baths or those sprays or whatever it is again, and it's like a vicious cycle. That's not even the worst part. That, you know, for me, as an HIV clinician, we also know that when you expose your vaginal um area to all these to all these irritants. You make that area even more friable. So, But people don't realize that the vaginal mucosa, it's at the inside of your cheek. It is so delicate. So the last thing you want is to be scrubbing and and spraying and mm. all of those things. You then increase your risk of getting HIV. And so, people don't understand that. Again, you expose yourself to cervical cancer. And so this is one of the myths that I want, you know, if, if anything, I want people to understand that. You're not, you're not, It goes beyond just wanting to smell life. You're actually putting yourself
0: at risk. Now, now tell me, because a lot of people don't believe you when you say this and you say you've spoken to people very many times, but I also went on the Internet to just try and see what is out there. And, in fact, I found a a very shocking thing that in the 50s, women Mm -hmm. were encouraged to douche using Lycol... To, to save their marriages. Now, that was such a wrong reason. Okay, so that is a topic, that's a very sensitive topic, especially in, in you
2: know, in, in our culture where, you know, if you're married or if you're in a relationship, it's, it's the onus is on you to make sure that your vagina remains tight. And again, I'm going to say tight in inverted commas. So after childbirth, You know, after a certain number of kids, you need to make sure that everything is tight down there so that your partner does not stray or does not leave you. And, you know, I mean, I'm so glad I did medicine because in medicine we understand, you know, you begin to understand the physiology of the human body. And I need to say these things, and I'm happy that you have me on your show because I need to say this to people, that the vagina is elastic. You can have 10 children and it will almost always go back to at least 80% of what it was. Okay, I've had two kids. I've had two vaginal deliveries. And I asked my husband, I was like, honey, I tell people not to worry about their vaginas. I want you to tell me the truth. Is everything still fine down there? Yes, it is. So that's the first thing you need to get out of the way. That like, vaginal delivery, yes, it is going to shake somewhat, but it goes back. If okay, okay, okay. Back, please stay on the
0: go? line for me. Please stay on the line for me.
1: Otherwise, on SAFM.
0: I did warn that parental guidance was advised. Dr. Cindy Van Zyl is with me. We need, this is very important, to just unpack some misconceptions around women's hygiene, which also leads to broken families, broken marriages, broken relationships, and even violence. Because a woman is often uh, um, um, accused of having been uh promiscuous if she's not clean enough as far as the man is concerned yeah. and, and, and uh, that's the truth hey cindy
2: that is no oh, that is the truth Shadow. and um you know uh, just going back to the issue of childbirth, because obviously that's the thing that worries people the most if i have a vaginal delivery will my vagina go back to normal Yes, it will go back to normal back to the issue of of douching and and just and shoving things up the vagina to keep it dry so like that it feels tighter that is, is again a health hazard so of course We've seen it all. So we've heard of women that will stick cotton wool balls that have been dipped in methylated spirits into their vagina Oh, no, man. So We So you can ask any doctor, you can ask a the gynecologist. They have seen it all. And again, what are you doing? You are messing around with the mucosal membrane of your vagina. It is, it is, it is set up to be to be wet. Vaginas are not be dry okay that's a, that's the one thing i tell people a lot you know when they tell me that oh no i can't use the injection because my husband complains of excessive wetness. vaginas are meant to be wet no one said they're meant to be dry i don't know where that notion comes from and this speaks of the physiology around the vagina as well is that you get a lot of women complaining about you know it, it becomes it's become desensate and they can't feel this and they can't feel that if you study the vagina you'll know that the the first like What, even one centimeter, the first two centimeters of the vagina, the outside, that's where the sensation is. The rest of the vaginal wall going up towards the surface is insensate. If you had sensation in your vaginal wall to that extent, you would scream when you're menstruating. We would not be able to function as vaginal fluids. We're flowing around in our vaginas. So that's a phrase that people need to understand, this myth of, uh, you can't feel this, you can't feel that. Know your body. If you know your body, then you'll know when you're being sold a, a story. When someone tries to sell you something that's going to help you be tighter or regain your virginity, you'll know
0: that these things aren't true. Let's talk about douching, because it's it's, it's an that's age that's old, old oh, thing. Yeah, yeah that's oh, a problem. It, it, now, why is it a problem? For the same reasons, I guess you've, you've, you've mentioned, but why is it still so popular? People talk about douching all the time as part of your, of your personal
2: hygiene. Well, this is something that we've inherited from our parents. If you think, if you, it's just what you're telling me, that in the 50s, people used to use with light So this is something that we've inherited from our grandparents. Our mothers are telling us, oh, mark this, must this this, you must take a bowl of water, put, um, in the water, and then you must, you must suck this water up your vagina. We've inherited this, this misinformation. And it's our job as, 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 as people that know better to tell others that it's not true. Now we can hear with dismiss information, and quite frankly, douching is only done under very certain circumstances. So for example, if you go to a gynecologist and you're about to have a, a like major, a major um, abdominal surgery, like a hysterectomy or something, then your, your, then your gynae will advise a, a vaginal douche just to clean the area up and make it sterile before surgery. But you're not going to be douching every day. And unfortunately, and I'm going to say this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, a lot of us who are health workers are guilty of seeing things and taking them out and sharing them with our relatives. So, for oh. example, you will know that oh, okay, better betadine and you mix it with water, you can make a juice. And I'll go home and, and think to myself, let me try it for myself. It works, whatever how it works. Then I'll tell friends of mine. So we are also guilty of telling people about sildenafil. There's a, there's a, there's a, um, a medication that's available on prescription, which is very good for you know for um, vaginal discharge and for you know for vaginal odors mm-hmm. but so many of us are abusing it and giving it to our friends to pop whenever they have a vaginal discharge and we ourselves as health workers are adding contributing to this madness you know so we're all guilty we are all guilty And it needs to stop because in the process, you're harming the vaginal mucosa and you are increasing the risk to to, acquiring HIV, STI, cervical cancer. There's so much damage being done.
0: So how does one stay clean then as far as the body is concerned? Uh, And because I I read then that the the VJ produces its own cleaning self-care secretion in, in, in a naturally moist environment. Um, it does, and that does not mean necessarily that you are unclean.
2: It doesn't, and so 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 if you think about the way nature works, I think what people m- need to marvel about the human body that we're, it's a self-regulating. We, we're amazing. We've been set up in an amazing way. So you can go for days, just you know, without having to use. Actually, we don't want people to use soap and new Let me just put it out there: no soap, no gels, no creams, no sprays, nothing down there except water. Okay. If you're lucky, warm water. If, not, if you don't have warm water, it's fine. Cold water will do. But a splash of water a day will keep the doctor away. Before your period, you can expect to have you know, more, more, more discharge. You can expect a few changes. You'll feel that, okay, now my period is coming. The consistency of the discharge changes. You'll know when there's a change. But it's, it's, it's stuff that's easy to spot. If there's a problem, you will smell it. You will smell it before you even get out of bed. And you will know that you know. this time, I need to go to the doctor. That is how we are made. And Uh, that smell, you know, you smell it, it is so distinct, you know that there's something wrong.
0: What about clothing, underwear?
2: Cotton. 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 And so it's a boring old jockey panty that people don't like. That's the best. Those are the best panties CDs. I mean, once in a while, you can go for your lingerie with all the lace and, and, you know, all the, you know, pearls, whatever you want. But cotton is the best. Cotton allows your vagina to breathe. It's the best. Cotton, plain. Boring cotton panties are the best. Okay. And then pat- panty liners? Paint liners are fine and I've seen a lot of them on the market with um, fragrance again you don't have to use anything as fragrance If it makes you feel better fine. because you're the only person that can smell it anyway <laughs> the panty liner. but other than that you're not going to go around sniffing and checking if you're wearing a fragrance pant liner or not so again I tend to steer clear of, of anything fragrance you don't have to fragrance your the designer.
3: so
0: no soap whatsoever regardless I'm of the pH I'm levels just... regardless of the
2: uh, dermatologically you want the hypoallergenic Tested no soap, water,
0: water, water, no soap, and washcloths <laughs> because those could carry bacteria. <laughs> oh, so, so, the thing is, with washcloths, I
2: mean, washcloths will lead to you freaking it up your vagina to make sure that everything's really squeaky, clean inside. Your hand is just fine, no nails, no scrubbing, no scraping, just
0: water, plain water, splash, 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 and you're good to go. And, no, no, you know, this is so amazing, the things that we've let ourselves do over the years
2: well let's we teach our children and well so to think about it if you had a daughter you were going to teach your little girl that this is what must be done you must scrub down there you must put your up down there that's what I was taught
3: vassalab. and it's not
2: right
0: <laughs> vasslap
2: <laughs> that's what I was taught I told you okay let's do it's not right. It's not right. So I'm busy as well. People might do the same thing. And just simple simple toilet hygiene, like wiping. When you're done in the toilet as a young, as a female, you wipe from front to back. Always wipe from front to back. So you think that we need to be keeping our young girls and obviously our older girls as well.
0: So when all else is done, go and see a gynae or your, your GP, or GP if you're in GP, doubt.
2: Yeah. the GP always be a first port of call, and obviously a problem in the GP will will actually for for you. but your GP should be able to help you with any issues or if you don't have the GP you can always go to your nearest clinic and clinics are well equipped to handle um, all situations involving your vagina discharges anything down there our clinics are very well equipped we have a very good FTI um, protocol um, from the National Department of Health
0: you know I, I, I then wondered why men are not sold the equal amount of, of, of products to
3: clean
2: I, I, it baffles me, Shardo. And again, it comes back to this thing, who are we trying to please? Why are we being told to smell like peaches down there? For who? You know, And if I, can, if I can be very frank, I mean, what, what most people don't realize is that during the sexual act itself, I don't think there's any guy who has time to be wondering, oh, does it smell like peaches? Does it smell like... Pers-? No, no, please, no. We are, we are so basic. When it comes to sexual act, just get it done, get it over and done it, and life goes on. So I don't know why we've been so to fly but I'm determined to make sure that people stop using those products, that people stop wasting their money buying those products. I am determined to make sure that that, that, that happens. We can't we can't keep feeding this monster of lies.
0: We can't Doctor Cindy van Zel, thank you so much for joining me and thank, thank you me. for saving so many women and young girls from all these products that may harm them because clearly they will harm them thank you so So, much
2: thank you for allowing me to speak so freely on air and have you know thank you so much for having me on your show
0: thank you dr cindy fanzell um, and there you have it. Feminine hygiene as you've never heard it before. And I think we are sorting out a whole lot of problems. When we come back, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we speak with founder and director of Pelisa abafazi to Lucinda Evans. And they're talking to us about uh, their campaign. Uh, what? Pregnancy? Pregnancy campaign? Where is it now? Where is it? It's here. Okay, 16 Days of activism pre- Pregnancy Blitz Outreach Day. That's what it's called.
1: Otherwise, on S.A.F.M. Yeah.
0: So many campaigns, so many, um, yeah, at, at this time. World AIDS Day is here, 16 Days is here, and uh, 16 Days of activism pre- Pregnancy Blitz Outreach Day. And uh, Lucinda Evans joins me now. Lucinda, thank you for joining us, and thank you for, for your good work, I see. Good afternoon. Afternoon to you. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Why do we need a pregnancy blitz outreach day?
3: Oh, we are actually very worried that there are many women walking around in our communities that is not booking their pregnancy. And uh, today I, I, I also want to emphasize that a group of women from the retreat maternity unit has volunteered the time and it's spearheaded by Sister Holford to come into our community. They've partnered with us because they they are very concerned that at the moment there are a lot of women coming to the MOU in active labor.
0: What's what's an MOU?
3: A maternity obstetric unit. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the hospital where you go to have your baby. Yes. And they found that a lot of the women, because they haven't booked, they haven't been medically seen, that some of them come with undiagnosed twins. Oh my goodness! In active labour, they've also um, discovered that a lot of the women suffer from high blood pressure, and has come with numerous infections. And which puts the risk of mom and baby at a top level and sometimes that the complications of these women that have never been medically seen they have to be referred to other hospitals. So apart from being 16 days of activism we decided as an organization that we will partner with the the um, MOU so that we can bring the services to the community and to the women and we as an organization have also found on numerous occasions that the community will phone our emergency line to help them phone for an ambulance because somebody is having a baby in the informal settlement
0: okay so you going into the communities you setting up a mobile clinic
3: we are setting up a mobile clinic and we have also partnered with one of our other partners which is the violence prevention through urban upgrading Mm -hmm. who is borrowing the caravan for us so women that suspect that they are pregnant can have pregnancy tests and hiv tests done right at the mobile site women that are pregnant that have not uh, book the pregnancy can come and book, and then what the clinic sisters want to do, they also want to connect them with a new service that the Department of Health is running called the Mom Connect. Okay. So they are able then to register via their cell phones, and they will get some information with regards to the pregnancy.
0: Okay. So, Lucinda, where are you? Where's this mobile clinic going to be?
3: This mobile clinic is going to be on the corners of Military Road and Prince George Drive in Lavender Hill, mm-hmm. and we're going to start at seven thirty in the morning, and we're going to end at one p.m
0: that's not enough time I'll tell you.
3: I know I know and we hope that this would be an ongoing service that we want to roll out to the women in the community, because for some women, they feel that it is too far for them to go to the to the clinic, mm-hmm. and that we could latch on with other facilities to help us to have more accessible service. Maybe once every two or three months, that we could run the Saturday clinic for them.
0: Okay, so this Saturday, the sixth—not this Saturday, the sixth of December, right? Yes, ma'am. And from 8, from 7:30 until 1 p.m., Military Road and Prince George Drive in Lavender here. That's good. I will get back to you to have a conversation with you. We need this to go around and at least educate uh, young moms. And of course, when we talk to you again after the 6th, hopefully you'll tell us more about the Mom Connect uh, 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 idea. Thank you. All right, thank you so much, and, and thank you for your work, Lucinda. You're welcome, Aaron. We'll talk to you again. And how do people find you, Lucinda?
3: Um, they can contact us if they want to call the, the MOU directly. They can do so on 21 mm-hmm. 713 mm-hmm. 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 and they can speak to Sister Halford. Or alternatively, they can give us a call at Pelisa Abufazi, which is 21 Seven zero one four seven one seven.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Lucinda. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oof. We need to stop now. We need to stop this. Stop.